Hey hun, it's me, Danielle. I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor and I am here to talk about all the ways multi-level marketing and mental health do not mix. It is important to know that this podcast is not meant to diagnose or for treatment. This podcast is based off of personal experiences and opinions and is meant to educate and entertain. Now sit back and drink the Kool-Aid with me on this episode of From Huns to Humans. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of From Puns to Humans. I am here with, um, we're using another fake name today, Jennifer, and she is going to tell us about her experience in multiple MLMs, um, some that I'm like really not familiar of. I didn't even know some of these existed until she sent me her email, like talking to me about her story. So I'm super excited to hear what her experience was and yeah so take it away (laughs) okay so I'm 45 right now and like after I graduated from college every once in a while I would get invited to a party like I went to a 31 I think a pampered chef Leah Sophia um Cookie Lee a few others here and there and I mean, I had no idea what an MLM was. At the time, it seemed like a legit business, but it wasn't really something that I was interested in doing for myself. Um, But it seemed like the parties were pretty successful. And so I didn't know a whole lot then. In fact, if somebody had asked me what an MLM was, my honest answer would have been, I have no idea what that even is. Yeah. Um, So... Fast forward to February or like the the first one is a little fuzzy on the dates, but I think it was like April of 2020 or maybe later. I don't know. But anyway, um, right at the start of the pandemic. Yeah, it was like I said, I'm a little fuzzy on the dates, but yeah, it was during the lockdown and the uh, pandemic and the shelter and home and all of that. That definitely Um, gives us a a good idea of where you were at. Yep. So, and I was very fortunate that I was able to keep my full-time job and I transitioned to working from home within like two weeks. Um, But the pandemic really affected my mental health, you know, not being able to go anywhere, not being able to meet with anyone that was really getting to me. Yeah. And when I get in my own head too much, that's generally not a good thing. <laughs> so I thought, okay, you know, and that was when I finally started thinking, well, you know, maybe I should look into this MLN thing a little more. So I started doing some research online and I wanted something where I didn't have to carry inventory or do my own shipping. So that was how I found a company called I Thought of You. And they sell fair trade jewelry and accessories that are made by artisans in third world countries. 
That's and I am very passionate about things like fair trade, human trafficking, things like that. So I thought it would be a good fit. So I signed up. Can you but I a little bit more about like what fair trade is? So it's basically where the artisans are paid a living wage. Okay. As opposed to like working in a sweatshop or slave labor or, you know, something like that. They're actually paid a living wage. And so they can support their families and, you know, medical care and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so I signed up and I quickly realized that I was completely on my own. All I had was a website and some graphics. I didn't even have an upline. So needless to say, my launch party was a complete train wreck. Oh. Um, and I did get some orders, but I think they were more out of pity than anything else. So, and I had to pay $149 for a starter kit. And then I had to pay $13 a month for my website. And I had to make or sell at least, you know, buy or sell at least $260 every three months to stay active. Oh my gosh. And so I think I made like $260 in sales during my launch party. So I didn't even make enough to cover the cost of my starter kit. Yeah. And yeah. And I've happened to find like a couple of Facebook groups, but when I posted a question, I either got completely ignored or got advice that was not the least bit helpful. So yeah. I, so I think I lasted like three, four months in that one. And I'm just kind of like, okay, that was a total disaster. So then I started joining like some fair trade groups on Facebook. And then I got messaged by someone from another similar MLM called Trades of Hope. And my upline, you know, I had never met her in person, but I felt like we connected and like we had a lot in common. And so she invited me to what was called a Discover event. And it was basically a chance to ask questions and learn more about the opportunity and, you know, all this stuff. And so I did that and I made it clear to her. I said, I do not want to do any recruiting. And she told me, oh, that's totally fine. You can make a great income just on sales and recruiting is optional. So I'm kind of like, okay. So I went to this Discover group and I signed up in like January 3rd of 2021. So it was just after New Year's. And so this time the starter kit was like $49, $8 for the website. There was no monthly quota. And I only had to spend or sell $21 a year to stay active. Oh, that's not as bad as last one. Right, <laughs> right. Um, and so my upline, she attended my launch party, but she didn't host it, which I thought was kind of odd, but I'm like, okay. So again, I made like 200 some dollars in sales and three weeks in, I was ready to quit. <laughs> I'm like, this isn't working. I'm not making any money. Um, you know, I had burned through my warm market and I, they never told me like how to, you know, get new customers. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just kind of like, you know, this is 
this is crazy. So she's had her upline call me and she, you know, and what I realized now it was love bombing and toxic positivity because she's like, oh, you can do this. You can be successful at this. I know you can do this. And so I started second guessing myself. I'm like, well, maybe three weeks in is a little, you know, maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit here. So I agreed to stay in for like a couple more months. And at the time, I thought that, you know, they really cared about me. But now I see that they just wanted to keep making money off me. Yeah. And so, you know, I did make, at least I made enough money this time to pay off my starter kit. And my upline was like, oh, you know, the sisterhood is great. I've made a lot of really good friends. And I'm kind of like, okay. So, so then... Like a couple months in, I started noticing that she was doing a lot of recruiting my upline. I mean, she recruited like four or five people in like a month. Wow. And I started to notice that once she realized I wasn't a big fish, she started getting more and more distant. And like, I noticed she was taking longer and longer to reply, like when I had any questions or anything like that. And by this time, the stress was like really starting to get to me because I felt like I was investing hours and hours and hours into this and had nothing to show for it. And I wasn't making money and I, you know, I was posting in my VIP group. I was doing, you know, what I was supposed to and I felt like I was having nothing to show for it. And so I know when I'm getting on stress overload and I could tell that I was rapidly getting to my breaking point. So then like in May, I finally, I'm like, you know, this has to stop because I was still working full time at the same time. Yeah. And my job can be pretty stressful at times. And so at the end of May, 2021, I told her that I was going to quit. And her response was, okay. Oh my gosh, she didn't even try to like keep you for the paycheck, which is surprising. Nope, nope. And so then like a few times after that, you know, I would try to message her, you know, just to chat and stuff because I had thought that she was my friend. Right. And she like totally blew me off. She wouldn't respond. She wouldn't anything. And, you know, by this time I was getting like really upset and you know, I realized looking back on it now, basically she, she never saw me as a person. She saw me as a prospect and a dollar sign. And that was about it. Yeah. And so, you know, I felt like I had failed. And so I was kind of bummed out. And so my birthday is also at the end of May. And I have a friend that's in an MLM very similar to Trades of Hope and So she kept like pressuring me to host a party, I mean, for months. And so then she messages me, she's like, hey, you know, I want to have a a party to celebrate your birthday and you'll be a chance to hang out with your friends online. And I'm kind of like, okay. So I had the party and even my mom said that it was like she was taking advantage of our friendship and it just felt really slimy and just, yeah like how it made me feel at all the way that you worded that because you worded that the same way in your email and I was like oh like it could be read either way like it could be read as like a hey like let's have a zoom birthday 
or yeah. it could be read as a uh, hey host a party for me for your like it can be read both ways but like it's yeah. really it's really sneaky the way she worded that yeah and you know she made it sound like it was gonna be all about my birthday but it really wasn't in fact my birthday was like not even mentioned during the party oh my gosh so, like what a way yeah. to make you feel unappreciated yeah I know it really yeah that one really got to me so then the next one was in I think it was like mid-June was Jordan Essentials and I don't even remember how I found that one but again it was another yeah another person that I had met online so this one it's like they're big into all natural and you know stuff like that and they make their own products and small batches and um so it was $49 for a starter kit and I think like $8 for the website per month and I loved the products. I thought they were great, um, very overpriced, but you know, I thought they were good at the time. And like, we would have these weekly meetings with the founder and it, oh, it just creeped me out because like the way the other consultants would idolize her, Ooh. it was just really creepy and really just culty and it, ugh. <laughs> And so then my upline was like super pushy and, you know, she had me do the whole cut and paste email thing for my launch party. And then I start getting, so then on the night of my launch party, I start getting these messages from people saying, who is this person? And why is she, why does she keep messaging me? Oh my God. And I'm like, oh geez. (laughs) And so then yeah, so I'm like trying to deal with that. And then, you know, she's hosting my launch party and everything. And um, and then like, she didn't communicate with me at all. Like every time I would ask her a question, she would send me like these one minute voicemails on Messenger. And she would send me like five or six of them at once. And then like, you know, we had agreed that the party, we would start the pre-party on like a Saturday, the party would be on a Monday and it would close on Friday. Yeah. So Friday comes along and I asked her, well, when are you going to post about the party ending? She's like, oh, well, I'm going to extend it till Monday. And she like never even asked me if I wanted to extend it or not. So then Monday comes around, oh, I'm going to extend it through Wednesday. And she extended it like four times. And I'm like, I just want to get this darn thing done. And so then, you know, finally, I'm just getting frustrated. And I'm like, you know, I really don't think that this is going to work out. I don't think our personalities mesh very well. And I think we should just go our separate ways. So then I, I get a message from her upline. And she asked me if she can call me. And I'm like, well, yeah, I guess so. So, you know, I explained to her, you know, that I didn't feel like things were working out and she was very condescending. Her response was, well, sometimes in life we have to deal with people that have various personalities. And I'm thinking to myself, not when I'm not guaranteed an income, getting no benefits. And, you know, (laughs) I'm like, that's ridiculous. 
And so then, you know, I said, well, can I get a, can I be assigned to a different upline? And she's like, no, that isn't done in direct sales. And I'm like, bull. <laughs> yeah. So then, you know, and then she like wanted me to message everybody that didn't purchase anything at the launch party and ask them why they didn't order. Super aggressive. And I told them, I, I told her I'm not doing that. And so then like her upline, she wanted me to join this messenger chat with the three of them. And, and then she was like talking about how my upline was going to get promoted. And I'm like, forget this. So I like blocked both of them. And then I resigned like shortly after. And that one in particular really left a bad taste in my mouth. And but then I was starting to think, I'm like, what the heck am I doing wrong here? Yo, why, why can't I make this work? Yeah. Like it really brought you back to like, what are you doing wrong versus the industry? Exactly. So then around this time, um, an acquaintance from church, I mean, I didn't know her super well. I mean, I had met her like once and I knew who she was and we were friends on Facebook or whatever. And she's a consultant for Usborn books and it's like children's books and they have some for all ages but I was kind of like and she had asked me if I had ever considered selling that and I'm like no and I'm like I don't have kids of my own I don't have nieces or nephews I don't even really know any little you know young kids and she was like oh well that's fine as long as you're passionate about literacy and love books you can still be successful so I'm kind of like okay whatever and she's like oh you know I'm not spammy or pushy or anything like that and so I'm kind of like well and by this time I was more in a little gun shy so I'm like okay I want to take at least like a month possibly two just to think about this you know if this is something I really want to do and I told myself you know if I do do this this is the last time yeah so it was thirty dollars for the starter kit, and then you got your website free for six months. So after, you know, I had told her that I need like a month to two months to think about it, two weeks later, she messages me and says, oh, have you made a decision yet? And I'm like, no. I said, I, I said, you know, I was trying not to be rude, but it's like, geez, I told you I need time to think about it. And like, well, that's really interesting too, that, well, not really interesting, but like so direct, like the people that you worked with seem to be really direct. Like if I were to message somebody like that, I'd be like, Hey, like just wanted to follow up with you and see if you had any questions. Like, like, you know, like sign up, are you going to sign up? Like, (laughs) like what? Yeah. And so, so then after like a month, I was like, okay, fine. I'll give it one more try. And, you know, if it doesn't work out this time, then I'm done. So I made like $160 in sales at my launch party. And then I had another party, which I made like $70 in sales. That was it. Um, Excuse me. And so then, you know, and then right around this time, through a rather crazy set of experiences, I ended up getting diagnosed with OCD. Okay. And the treatment for OCD is a very specific kind of therapy called ERP, and it's very intense. I mean, it really takes a lot out of you. Mm -hmm. So, and 
honestly, my hurt was never really in the Usborne anyway. Yeah. But by this time, I'm just kind of like, okay, my mental health has to take priority. That has to be my main focus. Right. And so, you know, I explained that to my upline. She's like, okay, you know, I understand. And I honestly had no desire, excuse me, to work my business. I mean, I didn't even create my VIP group. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm just like, you know, this, this just isn't working. And so, you know, and she kept, you know, doing the whole cut and paste thing. She sent me a template and she's like, oh, as soon as they say yes, add them, you know, to the party link. So I'm like, okay, so, so I did that and and then like people would say that they were interested, but then after the party, I'd follow up with them and they'd be like, oh, I'm not interested. And it's kind of like, oh, okay. And so then, you know, by this time I was just done. And also around this time is when I watched that Lula Rich documentary. Yes. And I had like so many light bulb moments during that thing. And I mean, I was obviously, I was never involved with, Lula Rowe, but I realized that a lot of what they were saying applied to any MLM. Yeah. And like the one quote that really got me is there was one lady, she was a current consultant, I don't remember her name, and she said, Well, if Lula Rowe were to be found guilty, then every other direct sales marketing company should be investigated as well because Lula Rowe hasn't done anything any other company hasn't done. That's right. And I was like, Whoa. <laughs> So then, uh, and then after that, I'm like, and I actually watched it a second time, a couple times later. And then after that, I was just like, and then finally, that was when it finally dawned on me. You know, the problem here isn't me. The The problem isn't because I'm not working hard enough because I don't have the mindset. It's because the structure itself is flawed. Yes. And it's set up so that only very few people actually succeed. That only the people on the very top. Exactly. And so that, and so that night, you know, I messaged my, after I'd watched it the second time, I messaged my upline and I'm like, you know, I, I really don't want to do this. I said, it's too much and I want to quit. And she's like, well, all you have to do is wait for your website to expire, you know, cause it's free for six months. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. So I'm like, is there some way that I can just resign? And she's like, no, but I thought I had remembered seeing something in my back office. And sure enough, I looked and resigned and it was effective immediately. So that was it. Oh, and then I wonder what that, she was trying to get you to stay. Did you figure out yeah, why? She was. I see that now. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Yeah. And then after that, you know, I start getting hit with all this shame and this guilt and just feeling stupid. And it's like, why did it take me four times to realize this? It's like, why couldn't I? And then, you know, I just started to realize how many things I had justified and how much I compromised, you know, my values and my faith and, you know, a lot of other things to, to do this and, I'm still kind of trying to work through that, but yeah. Yeah. So, and I like, I had a ton of, you know, I was in a ton of VIP groups. I was, 
had a ton of so-called friends that were involved with MLMs and you know most of them I didn't know in real life right and so I like and I was worried that I would be tempted to join another one so I like cut off all contact I like left all the VIP groups I like unfriended all the people except for the two that I know like in real life that are actual friends of mine yeah um and yeah so that was pretty much it I made a clean break and I felt relieved but it was just kind of like this whole jumble of emotions and yeah um, and one of the biggest realizations for me is as I looked back on it I started to see just the huge toll it was taking on my mental health and the price that I paid in terms of my mental health was just it wasn't worth it to me yeah and the cost was just too high and I'm not willing to jeopardize my mental health any more for something that you know it just isn't worth it yeah it really gives you no benefits with no. lots of like mental taxation yes um, I really related a lot to like when you started talking about getting out and you left all of the groups because that's what I did too. And I like immediately started like binging anything anti MLM that I could like get my hands on, like anything that was entertaining enough to hold my attention that was anti MLM because I was so scared I was going to join another MLM. Yep. And that's part of why I like started speaking out against MLMs too, because I was like, if I publicly hold myself accountable, then like, I'm going to feel real dumb if I go back. (laughs) Right. Right. So, yeah. It's a lot. It's so hard. Yeah, it is. And it's like the more I learn, you know, about the MLMs and, you know, anti-MLM and it just, oh, it got, it's to the point now where I like can't even think about it and it makes me angry and sad and just, you know, oh. Yeah, that's how um, my fiance is when we go places, like if he sees something that's like Arbonne or Beachbody or something like that, he'll be like, He's literally like physically angry because of like the logo somewhere because yep. you're just so hurt by them. Um, the other thing that I really related to with your story was that um, originally you joined because you are like looking for connection and mm-hmm. you were feeling like isolated and stuff. And it sounds like the first MLM you got into like didn't offer you any sort of community so you didn't even get that not at all nope yeah and then like some of the others you got some community but it was mostly just like I at least all the parts that you highlighted in your story were like very toxic and just manipulative and love bomby versus like I'm here for you like right like real yeah, it just felt it felt very phony and very fake. Like it didn't feel like they were, you know, like they cared about me or like they were really my friends or, you know, anything like that. It just felt very surface and very phony. Yeah. And yeah. And like you said, very toxic and very just. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it was really over the top, like 
fake, just fakeness, especially because for the most part, you join teams of people that you had no like real connections to. So um, they probably just didn't, I don't know. Like, I wonder what their like mindset was like having a stranger on their team. Like I've never joined someone that I didn't like personally know on some level. So I wonder what, like how that was for them to like try to hold a relationship with you and not like why wasn't it on their minds to be like okay like be a real friend like don't don't be spammy because like it sounds like they were just very spammy towards you like it was only like you when like it was about you making them money Mm -hmm. yep very spammy very manipulative very just again phony and fake and just yeah yeah so um before we like wrap up I don't know if you saw that the FTC just released um a bunch of letters to a bunch of different MLMs saying that like you can't push the opportunity anymore without it being legit like it has to be a legit opportunity claim Yeah, I actually did see that in one of the anti-MLM Facebook groups I'm a part of. Somebody posted a link and I did read the article. Yeah. Oh, I haven't read the full article yet. What did you think? (sighs) That's a hard question because I tend to be very cynical and I'm very much a realist. Yeah. And I mean, it's a good thought, but the question is, will they really follow through and, you know, will it really make all that much of a difference if they do? And honestly, I mean, I, I hope it will, and I hope it does, but honestly, I don't know if it will or not. And I agree. I totally agree. And I think it's all going to come down to, um, you know, us, like people that see the scam and see these, um, claims and report them. Um, I haven't been great. I, the past three weeks have been really crazy in my life. I'm in the process of changing jobs and starting my private practice and leaving my old job. So I've been a little bit crazy, but I guess it's not like an excuse excuse, but I haven't been reporting to the FTC, uh, like I wish I was. So like definitely kind of anyone listening, if you see a false claim, whether it's an income opportunity or a health claim, like report that to the FTC. Like it's not right. They're not allowed to do that. Um, and the more that we report these claims, the more likely these MLMs will be taken down. And like, it's not us tattletaling on the people in our lives. It's us holding these companies accountable because they train these people to say whatever they want. And it's not okay. Like you can't say that your shakes like take away migraines or whatever, or if you drink these shakes for 30 days, then you're going to be skinny. Like those aren't things that you're allowed to say to people. So, and then the income claims. So like, if you join this business, you can have all of this fancy stuff that I have. So anything that sounds like that, please report it to the FTC because that's the only way we're going to see any changes if it's been being reported. 
But yeah, and the one that I heard almost ev- in every single one that I was involved with was, hey, oh, you can do this very part time as a side hustle. You know, you can work, you can earn full time pay for part time work. And that yes. is so not true because the people that I have seen who are even remotely successful are basically working the equivalent of a full time job. Yes. And you cannot be successful just by working like 10, 15 hours a week, like they say. That is not going to happen. I'm so. interested too in what, if you have any comments on this topic. So like I noticed for me when I was doing MLM work, I would get like very addicted to the, um, like the serotonin hits and the dopamine hits of like reaching out and somebody would come back to me and then I would get a sale and yay, like big boost, big serotonin hit. And um, like with your new diagnosis of OCD during that time, did you notice any of those trends where the MLM work was particularly, like all of that stuff has to, do with my ADHD did you notice anything similar or I don't know if I'm making sense (laughs) sorry I'm just I'm a little confused in terms of what the question is but I think I kind of understand what you're well to be honest I never really experienced much of the serotonin hit because I had like very little engagement on my posts I mean I might get a few likes here and there but I had very few comments and you know very few sales and so I didn't really get too much of that that's that's um, fair. I guess just did, did you notice? I I guess at the point where you kind of noticed that you got the diagnosis, you were on your way out anyways. But I was wondering if you noticed any of your OCD being like triggered by MLM work. That's oh that's big time. Um, well, see the thing with me is is that I started having intrusive thoughts when I was around eight. And as I look back over the course of my life, I can see various times where OCD was a factor, but I never knew I had OCD until three months ago. Yeah. When I listened to a podcast and I heard someone sharing their story about living with OCD and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can relate to that. Yeah. And so then I started researching it and the more I learned, the more convinced I became that I really did have it. And I'm like, how is it possible that I could live with this for over 30 years and not know it? Yeah. But I like always thought that OCD was just washing your hands a lot and, um, you know, liking things neat and organized and neither one of those things ever applied to me. So it never even occurred to me that I could be dealing with OCD. You're right. And that's like such the tricky thing about OCD is the way the media shows OCD. So it, yeah. it makes it hard for people to realize the red flags to go and get, like go seek professional help to like get an, a diagnosis and to get treatment. Yes. And so like it, it all happened fairly quickly. I mean, from the time I started to suspect I have it to the time I started treatment was like two weeks. Um, because, you know, once I started to suspect that I had OCD, I had like seriously one of the lowest moments of my life because I'm like, you know, how do I overcome this? What, what do I do? You know, am I ever going to get any better and all this stuff? And I just felt really discouraged and really just hopeless. And yeah, 
and alone because the media coverage yeah. that is there is wrong yes. so, and stigmatized. So yep. it, it definitely doesn't feel good. Um, like when I've worked with that diagnosis, it's, it's been very tough and very tricky and very triggering to people to find out that they have that diagnosis because of everything you've said. Yes. So. And then, you know, like, and then on top of it, when you hear people say things like, you know, just casually, like saying things like, oh, I'm OCD. Yeah. Or, you know, you'll have somebody say some offhanded comment like, oh, you know, I think everybody's a little OCD. No, they're not. <laughs> you know, do you, you know, do you go through torture in your head? Right of these thoughts that on some level, you know, are irrational, but you know, you just can't stop doing the compulsions and you can't stop the obsessions no matter what you do. Right. Right. And yeah, people just don't get it. And it's very misunderstood and very, I mean, mental health is stigmatized anyway. Yeah. But OCD, I feel like is especially stigmatized. And that people just don't understand what it's really like to live with it. Yeah. It's struggle with it day in and day out for, you know, years at a time. I Um, feel like, so it's almost like brushed off compared to like, um, bipolar that's like, uh, like stigmatized as scary. OCD is stigmatized as almost like normal. And it's not, and it's not, you know, healthy for people to think that like, that it's okay. And that they don't need to work on it because it can be very dangerous. Oh yeah. Big time. So if if anyone's listening and like anything we're saying is striking a chord with you, definitely do a little research. Feel free to talk to your doctor. It's always better to talk to somebody and have it rolled out and be told, no, I don't think you have this, but maybe you have something else that we can help you with. Like always ask. It's worth asking if something. Definitely. And it's like, you know, why did I not tell somebody years ago about what I was experiencing? And the answer to that question is, because I thought that everybody struggled the way that I did. I didn't know that what I was experiencing wasn't normal because I had had it for most of my life. And, you know, I thought it was kind of weird and, you know, I didn't know why I did and had these thoughts, but you know, I just kind of assumed, well, everybody struggles with that, but, and then to find out, okay, you know, this isn't normal. It's like, whoa, (laughs) that was quite the shock and quite the realization. And yeah. I don't know yeah. the, the like science see stuff behind OCD, but I do notice a trend in people that I've seen with OCD that they report like you that it really started around the time puberty started. Yeah. Um, like even if you weren't like in full string puberty, your body starts like changing hormones and stuff around the age of eight. So yeah. that made, once you said that, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And so just, yeah, and just coming to terms with it. And then, like, it's weird, too, because one of the key things about OCD is is it's called the doubting disease. And so, like, one of the key things that, like, pretty much everybody across the board has is it makes you doubt 
that you really have OCD, which in itself is an OCD thought. And so that definitely happened to me because the more I learned about OCD and it's like, man, could I really have this? But by the time I had my, you know, OCD assessment, I went into that convinced that I was going to be told that I did not meet the criteria for OCD. And that's not what happened. I got diagnosed instead. And then, you know, it's like, and then after that, it flips to, oh, well, ERP has worked for countless other people, but it won't work for you. You'll be the exception and it won't work for you. I don't really know much, if anything, about ERP. I'm a, I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist. Okay. So it's a form of CBT, but basically what you do is you intentionally trigger your anxiety. Okay. But the key component is that you don't do the compulsions. So you just sit there with the anxiety and the uncertainty and your anxiety goes crazy. And then it peaks and then it gradually declines on its own but like that period when your anxiety is like going crazy is so hard because you want to do the compulsion so bad but you know that it's gonna make things worse in the long run but it is so hard to resist that temptation Uh so okay I have heard of that technique I just never heard it labeled as ERP Uh, but that it makes a lot of sense too because you're um, we're really diving in on the mental health today. I really love it. Um, but like you're, you're training your brain to not need to do the compulsion to see that everything will be okay. If you don't do the compulsion, because I, typically the thoughts are that if you don't do it, something will happen. Right. Um, so yeah. That's, so that's basically you're reprogramming your brain and telling your brain, okay, this is not really a threat. This is not something that I need to be concerned about. Yes. And so it like, it's, I don't know the whole science behind it. And, you know, another thing with OCD is that people think it's rare and it's not science. There have been studies. And in fact, I was just reading something yesterday. They estimate that one out of every 40 people has OCD. Yeah. Wow. And a lot of them don't even know it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I really wish the, like, I wish that the media, I guess, would be more realistic about all mental health and stop like stigmatizing so many things because that's part of the problem that we have right now. And it makes it even worse because we are at least in Massachusetts. I don't know about Wisconsin or anywhere in the United States. Um, like we're in a shortage of therapists and it's really hard when, um, people don't realize that they have something wrong. And, I feel like people aren't getting the help that they need and people aren't asking for help that they need. And then there's also the added, like there's not enough people to treat the people that need help. So it's just really huge cycle. And, and therapists that understand OCD and specialize in ERP are even, there's even more of a shortage for that. Yes. And so I actually get treatment through an app. It's called no CD. And 
the website is www.treatmyocd.com and you can schedule like a 15 minute call. They take your billing information, you talk about your symptoms and then they schedule you with a therapist and then you do like a 90 minute OCD assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, you jump right into treatment and learning ERP and you do it with your counselor. And, you know, it's pretty intensive because when you first start, you do it twice a week for an hour. And then after that, you go down to once a week for a half hour. And then after that, you go down to like, you know, once a month and a half to two months, you know, just kind of to check in and see where you're going. So, yeah, that sounds very intensive and very specialized. Um, That's really cool. But then again, and you have to kind of have an idea that you have OCD to know to even reach out to that. So, right that brings us back to our problem of being misrepresented. So, right. Ugh. Yeah. It's yeah. It's yeah. been quite the journey, but you know, yeah. so and setbacks are definitely part of the process and you know, you have good days and you have bad days and you know, yeah. So um, to kind of wrap things up, I just had a question and it completely left my brain. Okay. Oh, now I remember what it was. Um, what have you found the community that you are looking for in the anti-MLM community? Like, have you found it to be supportive in the way that you were kind of hoping to find when you joined MLMs? Yes, definitely. Um, I have really enjoyed listening to podcasts like yours. Thank you. Um, and also I have joined a couple different anti-MLM, um, groups on Facebook and yeah, definitely. They've been very supportive, very understanding and just, yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. Especially, I feel like survivor groups have been speci- specifically helpful for me. Um, I think some of the general groups, people can sometimes forget that we're humans, which yep. was part of why I named the podcast this because like we are human and, um, you know, when we come out, it's really hard to see some of those negative comments that people have to say. So I think it's so important that if you haven't been in an MLM before, make sure you're talking to people that have been in an MLM with compassion and kindness, because it is really hard to come out. And part of the reason it's so hard to come out is because you have to admit that like you were in something that was wrong. Right. Um, like, even if you don't recruit at all, you're part of a system that is predatory towards people. So it's really challenging um, to be with yourself in those thoughts. So be nice to everyone. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I've definitely struggled with, with that. Um, yeah. And yeah, and you're totally right. It is not easy to tell your story. Um But I thank you so much for reaching out and for telling your story because it's so important. And we got to talk about OCD, which is not talked about enough. And I'm glad we got to talk about some of like the truth behind it versus the stigmatized media. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. And if anyone else wants to come on and share their story, please reach out to me. My email is 
from huns to humans at gmail.com. I also have an Instagram that you can message me on there from huns to humans. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, everyone. And I hope you have a great night.